Here's what we, we started here, here last week, a quick review, then we'll take what we left off. And maybe what I want to do is slow down a little bit on the study of angels and look at uh, several verses and uh, how they may apply to us. First of all, we saw this already. I think we're on the work of Satan number four, I think. I'd like to back up to number one in your notes there. Letter G, under Satan, the angel of light, the work of Satan, what he does, the work he does in our world and the life of of believers. Number one, he tempts men to sin. I'm sure all of you have experienced temptation. By the way, there's three sources of temptation. Do you know what they are? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And of course, this world is Satan's domain, and also the flesh. There's a part of us, we don't need the devil or the world to tempt us. We have the sinful flesh we have that's with us all the time. But of course, Satan will tempt our flesh. He used the world to do it. But Satan, he tempts men. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, for it said, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know of your faith, lest by some means the tempter, talking about Satan, have tempted you and our labor be in vain. So this is after Paul had established a church in the city of Thessalonica. And uh, he left and he sent one of his workers back to see how the, the work was going, how the church is establishing. His concern was that Satan may tempt them and they may uh, fall away from the Lord and his labor would be in vain. And I know probably many of you know, as I well know, that many Christians who were once very faithful serving the Lord in the church now falling away from the Lord and doing nothing for God. Does it mean they're not saved? Does it mean Satan got a victory? in their life, and they're uh, have fallen away. And uh, the Satan does that. And by the way, uh, he, he has you on his sight. He loved nothing better to have you fall away too. And so, uh, next, he not only tempts people to sin, he produces sickness. We're going to focus on that later on. But Satan has ability to inflict sickness, bodily sickness, in humans. In Luke 11, verse, Luke 13, verse 11, excuse me, and it says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, talking about a physical sickness, and was bowed, bowed, talking about bowed over together, and could not in no wise lift herself up. In other words, because of this, uh, she was crippled, and her back was bowed over, and she could not straighten up. And it, said, it goes on to say, she would no wise lift herself up. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, this was a Jewish lady, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. So he healed this woman, and the Jews criticized him for doing it because he did it on the Sabbath. And, the, and forgot all about the miracle that he did on this woman. So this woman was uh, experienced 18 years of sickness, of being crippled, inflicted by Satan himself, and shows you what he, has, he can do. We're going to talk more about that when we do a study on Job tonight. Next, he lays snares and traps men. Satan lays snares and traps men. The verse here is 2 Timothy 2, verse 26. It says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of who? Of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The word snare here as a trap or noose, has a picture of a, a trap where the, the people would trap birds 
and uh, snare them and capture them. And Satan uses traps to snare, to capture, to bring his people into bondage. And let me give you two snares, two things he uses to trap us. This is not in your notes, but the first one is sin. Satan will use sin to trap and bring God's people into bondage. The allurements of sin by which the devil holds one bound. If you would go to Proverbs, please. This is not in your notes. Just a little freemium for you in addition to your notes. Proverbs chapter 5, please. Satan will use sin to bound God's people, to trap them. And he's talking about trying to recover people out of this trap, this snare of the devil. And here in Proverbs chapter 5, talks about how sin becomes like a snare, a trap in the life of God's people. Proverbs 5.22. Proverbs is right after Psalms, if you find Psalms. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22. It says, His own iniquities, that's the word for sin, shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of what? Sin. The word cords talking about being bound by sin. So Satan can use sin to bind uh, people, even God's people. We're going to look at a verse later on talking about referring to strongholds that Satan has in the life of God's people. And sin can be that way. The context here in Proverbs is sexual sins. Sexual sins act like bondage and addiction in the life of God's people. Another snare that Satan uses is not only sin, but also fear. Fear, look in Proverbs 29, please. Satan can keep God's people from doing many things just because of fear. Proverbs 29, when you find that, look for me, please. Let me ask you, don't raise your hand. How many have ever felt led of the Lord to witness someone, to share Christ, but because of fear, you kept your mouth shut? This happened to most of us, if not all of us. And so Satan used fear to bind you from doing what God would have you to do. And it talks about that here in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of what? The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made safe. So many times it's our fear what men thinks of us. If I share Christ, he may make fun of me. He may laugh at me. He may reject me. He may want nothing to do with me. He may call me a holy roller, may call me a religious fanatic. And because of the fear of men, many times we keep our mouths shut. And that fear Satan will use as a snare to keep you from sharing Christ. And I think that's the, probably the biggest reasons Christians don't share the Lord today is because of fear. It's a noose, a trap that Satan uses in the life of believers to keep them from sharing the most wonderful news of all, the gospel. The fear of men snares in a sense that one's actions are controlled or confined by the person they fear. Next we have here, number four on your screen. Satan not only lays snares, traps for men, but also he takes the word of God out of hearts. We looked at that last week, did we not? And here is the parable of the sower. If you know the parable of the sower, the sower went and sowed the seed. The first part says some fell by the wayside, the fowls came and devoured it. Then he gave the uh, interpretation of that. And Luke 8, verse 12, 
It says, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So basically, people hear the gospel, hear the plan of salvation, and Satan will come and literally take the word from their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. How does he do that? How would Satan take the word from the hearts of men? And he's very successful about doing that many times. Let me give you a couple of ways. And I think I covered one last week. Is people procrastination. So many people hear the gospel. They're convicted of their need of the Savior. And they see that I need to trust Christ. If I want to go to heaven. But you know what they say? Not now. Later. I'll do it tomorrow. And they put it off and put it off and put it off. And many would die without Christ. And they stand before the Lord and said, I meant to, I planned on it, but they never did. And so I think, Asher, how many of you heard the gospel several times before you trusted Christ? Many of you did. So you heard it, you understood it, and you put it off. You procrastinate. Aren't you glad you didn't die between that and the time you trusted Christ? And so basically, I think he does that. Satan says, hey, that's a good idea. You ought to trust Christ. But not now. Wait till later. And so I think that's a good idea. I think I'll wait. Another uh, way he snatches the word out of their hearts is disbelief. Uh, do not turn, let me quote it for you. The salvation is free. You know, so many people are saved out of a religious, religious background that taught salvation by works, especially the Catholic Church. The Catholic teaches sac- uh, salvation through the sacraments and through works of the sacraments. And many people are raised on the works philosophy for salvation. And when you tell them salvation is a gift, they say, I can't believe that. It goes against everything I've heard. And so this works philosophy causes people to reject the gospel and Satan will snatch the truth from their hearts. Listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Paul said, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Many people, when they hear the gospel, they say, that, that's too simple. That, that's too easy. All you have to do is believe in Christ, you go to heaven. And you say, no, not all you have to, that's all you can do. <laughs> but they, they want to add some to it. Now, I've got to do something. I, I've got, there's something required of me. I've got to do something, I'll be baptized, I've got to keep communion, I've got to do this, do that, and do that. And so they think it's too simple. So Satan will use the idea that salvation is free and snatch the word of God from their hearts, and they, lest they believe and be saved. So Satan would do that. And so, but uh, number five, number five. It says, he, Satan, develops strongholds in the life of believers. And he does that, you know, through uh, many things. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, talking about we live in this physical body, we do not war after the flesh. Talk about this warfare we have. Spiritual is not physical, it's spiritual. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, means they're not physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Satan has strongholds in the life of many believers. Areas of their lives they cannot get victory over. 
They've tried, they've tried, they've tried, and they continue to fail. It becomes a stronghold. It literally means a beachhead, a fortress that Satan's developed in their life. And they can get victory in so many areas, but that one area they can't get victory over because it becomes a stronghold. And the only way you can victory over it is not through uh, anything physical, but through spiritual warfare. What are the weapons? What are, what are our spiritual weapons as Christians? There are two of them, two spiritual weapons. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not physical. Your weapon is not a pistol. It's not a shotgun. It's not a club. It's not a baseball bat. It's spiritual. And what is it? Number one, the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Remember when Satan tempted Christ in the wilderness? What did, Satan, what did, excuse me, what did Jesus Christ use to fight against temptation? He quoted scripture. Now, if you think about that, to me, that's amazing. Jesus Christ was God. Anything he said would have been scripture. <laughs> Anything. However, he quoted scripture. He quoted the Old Testament as the battle to let us know that's what we should do. To show the, the power in Old Testament scriptures that we can use it to fight against Satan. So when Satan tempts you, many of you have weak areas. Many of us have areas that we're constantly defeated in, strongholds. The only way we can gain victory is through the Word of God. So I encourage whatever area that you struggle with, find Scripture that deals with that area, and when you're tempted, quote it. Quote it. And if you're by yourself, quote it out loud. Why? Because Satan doesn't know your thoughts. You can quote it in your mind, doesn't do any good. Quote it out loud. God, Satan cannot stand against the word of God. Remember when there was a battle between Michael the archangel and Satan over, uh, over the body of Moses? What did Michael say? The Lord rebuked thee. And that's what we needed to do. When you're tempted by Satan, that's the Lord used scripture to rebuke him. And so resist him with the word of God. So but basically, Satan developed strongholds. What stronghold does he have in your life? And many believers are defeated constantly uh, with that stronghold. Number six, number six, he blinds minds. He blinds minds, not eyes, though he has the power to do that. He blinds people's understanding. And of course, it's concerning the gospel. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds and their understanding of them which believe not. It goes on to say, lest the gospel, the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. So Satan, remember, Satan's counterfeit gospel is the gospel of works. And let me ask another question again. How many of you, there was a time in your past before you were saved that you thought that salvation was by good works? Would you raise your hand? Look at that. So there was a period of time that you were blinded by Satan to the truth of the gospel. And when you heard the gospel uh, the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit. This is truth. You need to believe the gospel and be saved, and you did. But Satan had so many people blinded by that uh, gospel of good works. I think I showed you the last week. Every other religion in the world today teaches salvation by works. There's only one uh, religion, and we're talking about one faith, and that's Christianity, it teaches salvation by faith without works. And so, so many reject Christianity for that reason. All right. Number seven. Number seven. Where did we leave off last week? Was it here? Number seven. Thank you for, let me share with you again. Number seven. Satan harasses men. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a what? A thorn, where? In the flesh that said, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, the, what a context here, when he says the abundance of revelation, who, who wrote most of the New Testament? Paul did. That's talking about the revelation that God gave to him. And so basically, because he wrote most of the New Testament, it'd be easy for men to exalt him above measure. Look how special that Paul is. He wrote most of the New Testament. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure uh, because of the abundant revelations given to me that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a physical infirmity was given to him. And notice what Satan did. It says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. The word buffet means harass. Now, it's not clear in Scripture what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but it is clear that it was a physical infirmity, a thorn where? In the flesh. So it was some kind of physical infirmity that Satan used to harass him, to constantly badger him. And remember, he prayed three times that God would take it from him. Remember that? And God said what? No, I'm not going to do it. He said, my grace would be sufficient for you. So what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? We had time to show you. But I believe it was a uh, problem with his eyes. Because many times Paul referred to his eyes, the problems he had. One of the letters today, he wrote the letter with such large letters because he couldn't see well. Another one he told me, he said, you would you pluck out your own eyes and give them to me because of my problem. And many people believe that he had an eye disease where his eyes were constantly red and irritated and blurry and ooze and become swelled. How many believe that would kind of affect your ministry? And so as he traveled around, if that was true, and want to talk to people, and his eyes were hurting, and his eyes were running and oozing and swelled up. My friend, that would be a burden. And Satan would use that and say, you know, if God really loved you, why did he let this happen? Why don't you just give up the ministry? Why don't you just quit this? And it said Satan buffeted him, harassed him because of it. And he said, God, please take this from me. And God said, no, I'm not going to do it. He went on to say, because why? Because when you are weak, then I am what? Strong. So this infirmity made him very physically weak, but God's grace was severe. By the way, what's your physical infirmity? What is the weakness you have that keeps you from serving the Lord like you want to? He said, pastor, is called old age. <laughs> Sometimes that becomes an infirmity, doesn't it? Or things we get because of our age. But I think you need to determine no matter what, how you are physically, just say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'll keep serving the Lord. And though Satan may use that to buffet me and harass me, I will not quit. I will not give up. And so, but uh, sometimes God allows us, and probably the firm you have, you may have prayed about. And maybe God told you the same thing. Nope, not going to, not going to take it away. He may, he may not. But if he doesn't, he'll give you the grace to endure it. So Satan uses the infirmities of our flesh to harass us. Next, number eight. He accuses men before God. Of course, the Bible says he's accused. In fact, the word devil means accuser. It says Revelation 12.10. It says there, for the accuser of our brethren, talking about Satan, the accuser of our brethren, 
is cast down, which accuses them before God day and night. Uh, so who's that referring to? Satan. Can you think of any scripture where Satan literally accused somebody before God? Job. Let's turn that together, please. Turn your Bibles to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Job is right before Psalms. Some people call this the book of Job. <laughs> Job. Here we find a lot about Satan right here in the book of Job and how he works in the hearts of many Christians, many people. Here's God's people. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, please. Job 1, verse 6. And we're going to see here where Satan accused Job before God. Because remember, he's the accuser of the brethren. In Job 1, you have it with me? Job chapter 1, look in verse 6. It said, by the way, between verses 1 and verse 6, it talks about Job and his character. That he was a man who hated evil and loved the Lord. And it says, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. I think we shared with you last week, who are the sons of God? Now, there's many different beliefs. Some people say these were Christians. I appreciate somebody brought my attention. But prior to the cross, where did the saved go when they died? Went to Hades, remember? Uh, Abraham's bosom, the place in the heart of the earth. And by the way, this was before Calvary. In other words, before the cross... All believers, when they died, they went to the heart of the earth called Abraham's bosom. Yet here is a group called the sons of God who went to heaven. So these are not believers, talking about Christians. I believe these were uh, another term given to angels. And it says, then there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And came, guess who came with them? Satan came, with, came also among them. Verse 7, and the Lord said unto Satan... He said, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. So basically, uh, he was saying, This world this world is Satan's domain. Can I use the, the, the world's vocabulary? This is his stomping grounds. This is his battlefield. We are living behind enemy territory. And here God talks to Satan, asks him a question. Listen, where'd you come from? He says, I come from this earth, walking to and fro about it. Because when God cast him out of heaven, he cast him where? To the earth. This is the domain. The dominion of this earth was given to Adam and Eve. But when they fell, that dominion was given over to Satan. He now, the Bible said, we saw already, he's called the prince of this world. He's also called the God of this world. This is domain. And so then verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? He said, There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and skeweth evil. So here is a conversation between God and Satan. And who are they discussing? Job. And here, in a sense, God's bragging on Job. He said, Very first all, he said, Satan, if you consider my servant Job, He's one of a kind. There's nobody like him. And he goes on to say, there's none like him in this earth, 
He's perfect. It doesn't mean sinless. It means he's spiritually mature. He's an upright man. He's a godly man. One that fears God. And he hates evil. Oh, wait, does that describe you? <laughs> it did Job. And look in verse 9. Now Satan begins to accuse. Here's the accuser. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear thee for naught? Verse 10. Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and the substance has increased the lamb. Here's what happened. God had put a hedge of protection about Job and his family. No doubt Satan tried to attack him. No doubt Satan tried to tempt him. He said, you put a hedge about, about every side. He tried every side. And it says about him, about all that he hath on every side, and bless his work. So God put his protection upon Job and put his blessing upon Job. No doubt Satan already tried. He could not. Then notice what he accused him of. Verse 11. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will what? Curse you to your face. What's he saying? The reason Job fears you, the reason Job fear, uh, serves you, because of your blessings. You take away his blessings and he'll curse you to your face. Let me ask you, how many are grateful for God's blessings? What if God stopped? What if he blessed you no more? Would you keep serving him? In other words, you never got a single blessing anymore in the Christian life. Would you keep serving the Lord? That's what he was accusing Job of. He said, do you stop it? Job will curse you. And so, in other words, he accused Job for serving God for what it paid him. It paid him God's blessings, God's protection. You take away your protection and your blessings, he'll curse you. And so, and notice in verse 12, and the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put forth not a hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You know what he did? First of all, notice, Satan can do nothing to Job without God's permission. He said, okay. He says, all that he has, you can take, but you can't touch him. You can't touch him physically. And so, to me, this is an amazing story. If you would look with it, please. Uh, in verse, the latter part of verse 12, it said, And Satan went forth from the presence of Verse 13. Now, notice here we have the account where Satan begins to take away all of Job's possessions. Verse 13. And there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating, talk about Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the elder brother's house. Verse 14. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them. Talking about these enemies, these army, the Sabians came, fell upon them, and took them away, and they have slain thy servants with the edge of the sword, and I only escaped alone to tell thee. In other words, uh, enemy came and took away some of his possessions. Then it says, look in verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came another also, also another, and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven 
hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only escaped to tell thee. So the Sabians come and took all his oxen and his asses. Only one escaped, killed all the servants but one. And while he was yet talking, another came and said, Fire came down from heaven, and it says here, Devoured all your sheep. It didn't stop. Read the next verse. Verse 17. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans made out the uh, three bands, fell upon the camels, and carried them away. Yea, and slain thy servants with the edge of the sword, and I only escaped alone to tell thee. So, read the next verse. While he was yet speaking, verse 18, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the elder brother's house. Verse 19, And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, smote the four corners of the house. It fell upon the young men. They are dead. And I only escaped alone to tell thee. Look in verse 20. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground. What did he do? Did he say he cursed God? He worshiped God. Verse 21 said, Naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now listen, please. Here's something we need to consider here. The, uh, Satan, excuse me, Job lost everything. Everything. Even his own children. This didn't happen over a matter of days. Didn't happen over a matter of weeks. Didn't have a matter of months. It happened all in one day. Because remember, a servant came and said, Sabians came, took away all your asses and your oxen. And while he was yet speaking, the fire came from heaven. And while that happened, it happened. It happened all in one moment. He lost everything. I don't know about you. To lose my possession, one thing, but lose my family is another. Only thing he had left to his name, you know what it was? With his wife. And what did she say? Why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> so she did exactly what Job said, uh, God, Satan accused him of. Now, please listen. Lest we can get too hard against Job's wife. By the way, she lost everything too. Don't, don't forget that. All that was hers too. That was her husband, Job, said about him lost it. Everything he lost, she lost. She lost her kids. She lost her family. Lost everything. Yet she responded the way Satan accused Job to respond. And so, but, uh, by the way, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Go to chapter 2, please. In chapter 2. It says, uh, of course, we know Satan, excuse me, uh, first of all, Job responded very well. He didn't curse God. In fact, he worshiped God. In verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also among them and presented himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered, Lord, and said, from going to and from the earth, walking up and down in it. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Verse 3. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and skeweth evil, and still holdeth fast his what? Integrity. Although thou movest me against him, to destroy him that cause. 
Did you notice that last part without cause? Satan, excuse me, Job didn't do anything to cause this. Of course, we know later on his, his friends accused him of living in sin or something. God without cause, nothing. He did nothing wrong. And look what happened to him. And look what it says in verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that the man hath will he give his life for his life. But put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Look what he's saying here. The first accusation, the reason, God, say, the reason Job serves you, because you blessed him. And of course, we know he is one of the most richest men in, in, his, in his land. Yeah, because you blessed him, you protect him. You take away all his possession, you'll curse you. God let it happen. So now, though he lost everything in his kids, there's another conversation between God and Satan. And God says, Satan, consider my servant Job. He's still holding fast integrity. And Satan accused him again. So the reason he is still serving you, because he has good health. You take away his health, and he'll curse you. That's one thing to lose your possessions. Another thing to lose your health. And so what did God do? Look in verse, uh, he said, verse 5, Behold, put forth thy hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thy face. Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he's in thy hand, but save his what? You can take away his health, but you can't take his life. You notice in every case, Satan can do nothing to Job without God's permission. God's still in control. So anything that Satan does to you has to go across the desk of God for his permission. First of all, he said, Satan, take his possession. You can't touch him. Now he says, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. And you know the story. He was inflicted with boils, very painful boils from the head, crown of his head to the foot of his sole of his feet. So Satan did all that. So let, where, what can we learn from this about our adversary? Let me share it with you. We covered some of it already. First of all, we saw in both of these accounts, Satan has access to heaven. Remember it said there was a day when the sons of God came before God and Satan was among them. He has access to heaven. He, he was kicked out of heaven at his fall in the past because of his pride. But he still has access there. There, He can go and come and go, but he can't remain there. He lost his position as the covering, arch- uh, 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 covering cherub. But he still has access and he goes there to what? To accuse who? The brethren. And here he's accusing Job. And so he said, number two, we notice also this world is Satan's domain. In both accounts, God asked Satan, from whence comest thou? I come from the earth, walking to and fro, up and down in it. This is his domain. This is his territory. This is where he was cast out when he was removed from heaven. Though this, this is domain, he access to heaven. Number three. Satan accuses God's people. He accused Job. And by the way, you ever thought about, does he ever accuse you? Does Satan ever accuse you? Now, we don't know that, but have you ever given him a reason to accuse you? I think we all have (laughs) at times. And so wonder what he's accused you of. Uh, Remember, Satan's accusation uh, against Job was his motives. The reason he serves you because you've blessed him with material possessions. The reason he serves you because you've blessed him with good health. Take away his possessions and his health 
and he'll curse you. In both cases, he did not curse God. Though he lost something. Let me ask you something. What if you lost all your possessions? Would you keep serving the Lord? If you lost your health, would you come to church on Sunday and praise God? Hallelujah, what a wonderful God we have. Uh, I think it would be easy to say, oh, I'd be faithful. Uh, be careful. Because Satan might say, well, let's find out. Let's find out. And I know many of you have lost much, but you're still faithful. When I see many of our people come to church who physically are very weak, they're struggling just to walk in the church, but they're still here. I think of Brother Clark when he comes in, and he struggles. I think of Carl Pingle when he comes in. He can barely walk, but he's still here. And many of you have other physical problems, but you're here. You have not allowed those physical problems to keep you from serving the Lord. So, next thing we learn from Satan is Satan can do nothing to the believer without God's permission. In both cases, he could not take his possession. He said, you can take his possession, but you can't touch him. You can touch his body, you can take his life. So basically, anything that Satan does to you, God has permitted. God allowed. And he has a purpose for it. Nothing happens in the life of the believer without some purpose. The next thing we can learn from Satan, this is quite amazing. Does Satan have power? Did you notice when he, Satan began to take away uh, Job's possessions? First of all, Satan had power over people. Remember the Sabians and the Chaldeans came and took away Job's possessions? Who encouraged them and made them do that? Satan did. So these armies, the Sabians, the Chaldeans, were moved by Satan to come and take away Job's possessions. So basically, Satan has power over people. Next, he has power over the weather. Because remember, Job's daughters and sons were in the house eating and drinking, and a strong wind came and blew the house down. Who brought that strong wind? Satan did. We saw before that, he brought fire down from heaven and devoured his sheep. Remember that? My friend, Satan's very powerful. He controls men. He controls the weather. Also, he has power over your physical health. Remember, he inflicted boils upon Job. Remember that woman we read about already? It was crippled, the Satan bound. So he has, look at that. But you say, oh, pastor, that makes me afraid. No, don't be afraid. He can do nothing to you without God's permission. You're under, I believe Satan, excuse me, God's put a hedge about you and protecting you. And Satan can't touch you without God's permission. But God does permit it at times. Now, maybe some of the problems you're having right now, wherever they are, God's allowed for Satan to tempt you to see if you would blame God, curse God for your problem, and say, if that's the way God wants to be, I'll never serve it. Many Christians have done that. God's allowed something serious. They may have lost their health. They might have lost their job. They may have lost a child. They may have lost a spouse. And they get so angry at God, and they blame God. Say, that's the way you want to be. I want nothing to do with you. And maybe Satan accused that person. He said, you take away his child. You take away his spouse. You take away his health. He'll curse you. And many believers have. So, Chris, you need to, if you haven't already, right now, settled. 
that no matter what I lose in life, I will be faithful to God. You need to settle that now. Don't wait till it comes. You wait till the time comes, you'll be overcaught with emotion and say, I give up. Determine today. Come, may I use the word, come hell or high water. I will not give, quit serving the Lord. I'll keep serving him. And, and uh, I believe that enabled Job to do that. Job lost everything. Now, we're going to close with this. Get a chance, read the end of Job. He received double blessings. He received twice as many children he had before, twice as much money as he had before, twice as many material possessions he had before. God doubly uh, blessed him because he went through that faithfully. So basically, I would not focus on Job tonight. I was focused on Satan, what he did to Job. So next week, we'll start on number nine, okay? And maybe we might can finish up the study next week, or I may kind of drag it out a little bit like I did tonight and look more into it. But next week, we're going to look at what the number nine is. Uh, he gains advantage over men. We'll talk about that next week. All right, thank you. I appreciate so much you coming. I, I know you could have easily stayed home and relaxed. How many of you were tired when you come to church tonight? <laughs> but listen to me. So many others use that very excuse to stay home tonight. But you didn't. I wonder if Satan might accuse them. Lord, you make them tired, they won't come to church. And Satan won. He didn't do it and win with you. You said, no matter how I feel, I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to come to God's house even when I'm tired. By the way, I'm tired too. <laughs> but we have a God who never gets tired. Amen? Let's bow together, please. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this uh, lesson we learned tonight about our adversary, the devil, and what he can do in the lives of your people. But Father, foremost, we thank you that he can do nothing to us without your permission, that you're sovereign, you are in control. You have the power over him. He can do nothing without your permission. And when things do come in our lives, we can realize that you are in control, that you have allowed them for some reason, some purpose. We may not know this side of heaven, but Lord, help us to be always be found faithful to serve you until the day you call us home. And may that be said of us when we go to before God, we can hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you.